I have only met one true mystic in my entire life, and that was Don Miguel Ruiz. Finally, eight years later, I have him on the podcast, along with his son, who's carrying on his lineage, Don Jose Ruiz. He's the author of The Four Agreements and many other amazing books. I can't wait to share this podcast with these two Toltec masters. This podcast is brought to you by Onnit, onnit.com slash Aubrey, by Lucy, lucy.co slash amp, and by Killcliff, killcliff.com, code word amp for 20% off. I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to have this conversation and share some of these ideas from Don Miguel Ruiz. I started studying Toltec wisdom when I was in my late teens, and it started with Carlos Castaneda and then moved right into Don Miguel Ruiz and eventually into his son, Don Jose Ruiz, who's written some amazing books like The Wisdom of the Shamans. This podcast covers so many things from love and life and death. The wisdom that he not only embodies but expresses is probably the most complete system that I've ever encountered for helping navigate life. This podcast is incredible. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the highlights of any show I've ever done. And I really, truly can't wait to share it with y'all. And before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Onnit. Now, I have all of the Onnit supplements in the world and even some other supplements. My supplement cabinet is stocked. And oftentimes, I'll still pick and choose which pills I want. But recently, I've been really busy doing a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of writing, doing a lot of things. So I've just switched entirely to the Total Human Packs. Because what the Total Human Packs are is that is a one-stop day pack and night pack that has all the goodies that you need in it. And you don't even have to think about it. So I just wake up in the morning, still a little groggy. I have a little bit of sea salt in my water and I rip open the day pack, done. And at night, when it's time to go to bed, rip open the night pack, swallow it down, done. It's so easy to do and I feel so good. And honestly, when I was doing my own thing, sometimes just out of sheer convenience, I wouldn't take any supplements and then I wouldn't be as optimized as I am right now just taking the total human because the total human is designed to have absolutely everything that anyone needs. And if you're listening to this ad close to the release date, there is no better time to try Total Human because there's a free trial available. You're going to get seven days of Total Human. Get used to it. Try it out. See if you like it. No risk. Super convenient. And see if this is just going to become part of your lifestyle. And if you're listening to this a few months after and the trial isn't going on, just check it out. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. You get 10% off all the time on everything sometimes there's a free trial otherwise you just lock in the discount so go to onnit.com slash aubrey next up we have lucy you've probably heard me talking about lucy before because it's a simple solution that just makes a lot of sense nicotine in its raw state is something that's helpful for productivity there's a ton of studies i wrote about them in my book own the day Nicotine can be used in a way to be really productive for your life. Now, of course, there's challenges, and we all must be mindful that we're the one driving the nicotine car, and the nicotine car isn't driving us or running over our body with our own addictions and the own wheels that it has on it. But when we're in control and have a vehicle like Lucy, which is a really clean delivery of four milligrams of nicotine per piece, we have a great solution. 
It was founded by Caltech scientists. They were former smokers. They were looking for a better, cleaner nicotine alternative. And the gum is great. It's got good flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. This is something that's a great addition if you're interested in utilizing nicotine for performance benefits for your mind. I highly recommend it. So check out lucy.co slash amp or use the code word amp for 20% off. Once again, lucy.co slash amp or the promo code amp for 20% off. And with any product containing nicotine, there's a warning. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. And lastly, we have Kill Cliff. Kill Cliff is a new sponsor, but you might have heard all about them from my brother, Joe Rogan. And there's a reason. Joe only endorses things that he absolutely loves. And there's a reason why he loves Kill Cliff. It's by far the best tasting CBD drink that I've ever had. And not only that, they use only really clean ingredients. It was founded by a Navy SEAL looking to provide a different alternative to all the crap energy drinks that are out there on the market. And he wanted something that was clean. He wanted something that tasted good. Kill Cliff is awesome. They've been so generous. They sent us a fridge to the office stocked with all kinds of Kill Cliff. And I hardly even had a chance to try all the flavors because the team <laughs> drank them all. We're going to get more Kill Cliff. No problem there. Don't worry about us. But nonetheless, it's just a phenomenal drink. And it's something that you just want to have some of these cans available for you. So I encourage you guys to check it out. Go to killcliff.com. Use the code word AMP, A-M-P, for 20% off site-wide, and explore around. Try out the Flaming Joe. Try out all the great flavors. And you're not only going to get the benefit of CBD, which you've heard me talk about a lot, but also clean ingredients, a delicious drink, and you can get it caffeinated if you want that extra boost to keep you fucking fired up. So once again, check it out. Go to killcliff.com. Use the code word AMP for 20% off site-wide. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Don Miguel Ruiz and Don Jose Ruiz. Don Miguel, Don Jose, this is such a pleasure to have you and uh, for this conversation. I'm really, really looking forward to spending this next bit of time with you and, and sharing this conversation because both of you have been uh, deeply impactful through your work. And of course, as I mentioned, I got to spend some time with you, Don Miguel, down in Punta Mita. And that experience truly changed my life. And I want to explain to all the listeners why that changed my life. And the reason is, is that people often ask me, you know, is there ever an end to the suffering? Is there ever a place that you can get to where you really embrace the dance of life, where you can live presently and be in that state of love and truth and stay there and not just touch it, not just touch it one time, but to hold it. And I can look them in the eyes with my heart and say, yes, it's possible. And I know it's possible because I felt it when I was there with you in Punta Mita, Don Miguel. I felt it from the moment you gave me that first hug in the lobby of the hotel to watching you in every moment. Every time we would go out to the sunset at night, you would have a glass of wine, and you would sip the wine, and it was like the first time you've ever had a glass of wine. Just that <laughs> rapture, the joy in the wine. And you would look at the sunset, and we had beautiful sunsets every night. But every night, you would look at the sunset, and it was like you were staring at the beauty of all of life for the first time. Just awe. And that 
even more than the words, even more than the teachings, that made an impact because it, it showed me that it was possible to shed the old stories and the old dreams that you have to be in struggle and you have to work and there's no place that you can get to where you find that peace and that joy and, and that state. But I've always said, no, it's possible because I saw it and I felt it. And, uh, and it's given me this, this great sense of hope and confidence that, you know, there is a, there is, it's not even about the destination, but there is a place that you can arrive where all of the rest of uh, those challenging parts of the dream of the world, they all start to fall away. It is always there. Is wherever we turn our face, we have that beautiful communion, a communion with everything that we perceive is just really a way of life to focus the attention in here and now that is happening all the time. Then of course it's possible and even it reverse the way that everybody else is. Because for everybody, they focus their attention in all those dramas that exist in life. And occasionally they feel happy, they, have, they feel joyful, they enjoy life, and then they go back to that state of trauma, that state of suffering, that state of struggling. But if we have the awareness that changed completely, like I said a little before. We have that communion with nature, a communion with our own physical body, because the vehicle that we use in order to perceive the ongoing masterpiece of art, which is the entire creation. And mm -hmm. it's always so enjoyable. It doesn't matter where we are. Like at this place, we was in a point of meta. It's a beautiful paradise. But it can be any other place in our own home, in whatever activity we are doing at the time. What is important is to focus our attention in what we are doing and enjoy what we are doing. Mm. This is, we can say, the key to be like that most of the time. Yeah. This is a challenge that I know very well because I've felt that place of life and love and joy and presence. I've felt it and I know what it's home. It feels like this is what we're here for. This is home. But then I'll go back. I'll go back into the dramas and into the self-judge, the critic that says, I'm not worthy of love because of these things I could have done better and this thing and these people who don't like me and this thing and I'll find myself lost and drunk on the delusion of that dream and then I'll have to find my way back home again and I suppose what I want to ask is this is the process that I find myself in and for you and also for you Don Jose and I can see by the emanation of your being you're very much like your father from everything that I can sense what is the journey what is the journey like what are the stages like as you open yourself to this awareness and find yourself going back and forth between these two different states these two different you know the dream of the world as it exists and the new dream as the artist that we are that we're creating what are the different stages that you've gone through in in your own lives well with a little metaphors to explain it it's like we are on the edge of the pool 
we have the communion with God, with life, with everything. We know that we're more than this body that is lent to us. We take a good deep breath to enjoy it. We let it go. We take a deep breath. And the last breath we take in, we jump into the pool. <laughs> and we jump into the pool where the, the drama exists, where the temptation of our old habits exists, where everything exists. We just hold the divinity of that light, of that air that keeps us, you know, alive. And in the Totec tradition, we go into the underworld, which I can say that is the pool of life, the dream of the planet, where suffering exists, where all this negativity exists, but also the beautiful things exist, the beautiful things of people, how people dream. So when you begin witnessing, like in the Four Agreement book, imagine you're the only sober person where everybody's completely drunk, drunk with their story, what they believe in. You know, it has nothing to do with us, but sometimes, you know, it hits us like an arrow hit us and we yeah. feel the pain, we feel the drama, we feel into the dream. But this is where the magician makes his magic when he's with a sorcerer. And in that moment, you, you know, OK, all this darkness that is putting in me, I have to be honest with myself. How can I not believe myself? So in not believing yourself, we create a story in the Totec tradition because we're artists and, we, and our art is the story of our life. So we create a story of how we're overcoming things. And then what we do, we go back into the air to get more, another breath of life. But now the next time we go into the pool, we have something to offer for those who are feeling that are choking because we're only helping ourselves wake up. And I know that everything we have gone through in life is not in vain. It's the lessons of the university of life. So in one time we can say, I pity myself. I, I victim myself because that's the easy way to not grow. But when you're honest with yourself, now you know the importance of being impeccable with the word because the word is the creation of our story. So how do we go forward with this? And that's how everything changes. Yeah. And for you, you've had the gift of such a, such a maestro. And I know that you have as well, Don Miguel, as you talk about Don Leonardo and Don Ezekiel, this lineage of, of wisdom that's helped you not only with the, with the ideas, but the embodiment of these ideas and and then you know you've offered this to the world as a as a path as a as a journey that people can you know take as we go step by step and i think you know something you mentioned as well practice makes the master and i suppose that in this in this practice of becoming the artist it's it's about practice it's a moment by moment decision a choice to remember and a choice to engage in, in this practice. You know, um, <clears throat> we can say that the teachings are exactly the same. There's the ones that come from Don Ezequiel, from my grandfather, Don Leonardo, with my mother, Tonya Sorita. What I'm doing, what my children are doing, is exactly the same message, but in a completely different way because this is the art, this is the beauty that we can use the words to share ourselves with everybody else that they can see the message. And the message is so simple. You know, everything is about romance. It's about love. We can say that the whole creation is a beautiful, dance, romantic dance between energy and matter, between life and death. Of course, matter is death. You know, matter 
only can move if a force is moving matter. And the force that moves matter is energy, is life. Then in our physical body, we have both. We have matter, which is our physical body, and we have life, the force that is moving this physical body. And that force is reflected in our brain and creates an image of itself, which is the mind. Because the mind is just like a mirror. In a mirror, you everything that you see inside the mirror, you know that is a reflection that everything that is outside. Well, our brain is a mirror. It is reflecting what is outside, that what we see all the time in the mind is the reflection that exists outside. But we don't see the outside. We only see the light that is being reflected for every single object that is outside. Then in our body, we have both. We have life, which is real, which is truth. We have the physical body, which is also truth, but it's a condensation of life. And matter, which means death, have a beginning and has an end. Life is eternal. And the reflection exists while the brain is reflecting the outside. Well, that big romance that I'm talking about is between the reflection, what we think is real, in our physical body and life. Between the truth and lies. The reflection is the opposite of life, is the opposite of love, because Love and life are synonymous. Mm. Love is the force that moves everything. Then the romantic story is the encounter of two programs that we have in our, in our physical body. One is the real program that comes from life and is in our DNA. It has complete control of every single change that happens in our physical body. You know, it transforms a fetus to a newborn baby, a newborn baby to a child. It takes us to puberty. It changes into a young human, into an adult human, into an old human, and then the body disappears. And the other is the program that we receive from society. All the rules to tell you, how you have to behave, what you have to believe, what is really, what is not real. And there's a conflict between these two programs. Then the romance is exactly between these two programs. One program is perfect, hmm. which is the one that comes from DNA, the real one, the true one. And the other one is not real, it's an illusion and it has your name. 
You are the main character of your story, but it's just a story, it's just a reflection. Then that beautiful dance is between you and life, is between you and your physical body. Mm. When you have the awareness and you know that you are not real, and you know that you exist because your body is reflecting you, and then you find out that your physical body is the love of your life. Mm. Then everything shifts, everything changes. Mm. Because at that moment, you surrender to the truth, you surrender to love, and the whole purpose of your life is to enjoy that love. Mm -hmm. Because what makes you happy is not that people love you. What makes you happy is love coming out of you. When you express that love, wow, it's ecstasy. Mm-hmm. You know, is the most wonderful thing that you can feel. Now, when you surrender completely to that love, which by the way is unconditional, then you can enjoy your whole life the same way that you did it in, in Punta Mita. Yeah. Exactly the same way is the reconciliation between you and the love of your life, which is your physical body. When I have the moments where I can listen to life and listen to my soul and listen to the truth, I always get the same message. And the message is, love yourself completely, completely, without judgment without any holding back, without any withholding, because love is all around us, but we, our mind, the, the judge in our mind, will block it and, and prevent us from feeling it because it says you don't deserve it, and this is the story. And, and, I, and I feel that, and I, and I know it, but still I get, I get drunk. I get drunk on the story and I get lost still, and, I, and then I wake up and then I get drunk and then I wake up. What has been for for either of you, for both of you, have you experienced this same thing? You know, Don Jose, when you're going, you have this great guidance of this teaching and an example. Have you also found yourself still drunk, still lost, still separate from love? Well, yes. It's a temptation that life puts to us. Every time we have self-doubt, it's self-suppression. And our way to get comfortable is to stay in an animal safety and a pain that we're used to. And we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid not to live without the pain and the addiction of suffering. But one day I remember my father telling us to a bunch of apprentices, you are loved, go master yourself. <laughs> not what I say to you, go master yourself with your own truth, with your own authentic self, how you punish yourself. And then I really understood the path of my family's teaching that Toltec tradition says, in the Toltec tradition, there's nothing to learn, but to unlearn what takes our inspiration away to live life. Because if we continue to live a certain way, is that we're looking for an excuse why to do that. Just like in addiction, we look for somebody else when we don't take responsibility to use them, to hurt ourselves and blame them why we use again. Or this is happening to me. But when you realize that you are getting out of the swimming pool and you're breathing again, it's like my little grandson says, take a pause of the game. Look that you're still alive. People will come and go, even ourselves. I look at the big sequoia trees one time, 
And no, they've been here before me and they're going to be here after me. I have a gift right now. And what I have to unlearn is what's taking me away from that gift. And it's the way that I punish myself because I am my own parasite. I created my own parasite by attaching to those dramas, to those heartbreaks. And it goes to relationship to relationship, to uh, friendship and friendship, to workplace and workplace. But the day that you know that your life can be lived like it's the day, the last day of your life, like Father says, if you plan like it's the last day of your life, you will get appreciation of what matters most in life. The time that no currency can buy and it's time itself. Not even the more powerful people can buy time because time is what life gives to us. So when we see this, we see golden time. We see every moment is precious. And then we begin seeing our own thoughts. You go, there you go again. And this is where the fifth <laughs> agreement comes up. To be skeptical, but learn to listen. Not be skeptical mm. of the outside. Be skeptical of ourselves. Be skeptical mm. of our own poison. And then, like Grandma says, you control the scorpion that you are, and you will no longer sting yourself with your own tail. Mm. Don Miguel, when was the last time that you can remember that you felt lost? You know, at, at some point in your life, how? When was that last time where you felt like you you forgot you forgot the way you forgot this truth that you know so well? Every morning when I wake up <laughs> uh, to find out where I am, and once that I find out where I am, I just keep going with the story that I create every single day. But it's a normal way of being. That depends what point of view you use to describe that. Mm. Yeah. In the Toltec Art of Life and Death, you describe Don Ezekiel, and he's one of my favorite characters. To me, he's fiction in the story, but to you, he's very real. And the thing that I love so much about his character is his playfulness. He's a rascal. You know, he's, yes. he's, he's always making jokes. And I've always known and felt, because I've been around great spiritual teaching people who embody it. I always say you can tell a spiritual master by the sound of their laughter, because if they're not laughing, if they're not playing, they're taking something way too serious, probably themselves in this dream. And he is such a great embodiment of that playfulness and that, and that just that, that joy that can exist in life. And, and that's something that, you know, I think is, is such a good guidepost for people. You know, whenever you get lost in this, everything is so serious, like the character, the idea, the archetype of Don Ezekiel is so perfect to remind you to like, what are you doing? Go play, go play, <laughs> have a laugh. <laughs> That's where life is, to enjoy it. It's, it's the only purpose because nothing is really serious. We, we, we can make it very serious and create dramas, etc. Or we just can enjoy. It can, if it, if it of nature is to be uh, uh, playful, we just play all the time. But sometimes you just get inspired and you just get uh, kind of uh, meditating and absorbing everything that you perceive. A great communion with nature, because once that you have the reconciliation with yourself, now you can enjoy everything around you. Like we say so many times, you cannot give what you don't have. But when you love yourselves, you know, you're the love of your life, now you can love everything around you. 
and enjoy it. And you can enjoy also other people's stories if that's what you want to. And they only will make you laugh. Of course, you will not laugh in front of them because they can find it, take it personally, get insulted. But no, you know, life is so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And we make it so difficult for ourselves. But we can enjoy every single moment. Even the moment of our death, we really can enjoy it. Yeah. You tell a story of when you were very young and you were at a family gathering and there was this moment of awareness where you were able to see everybody's stories and the dramas and how one word could create an emotional reaction. And it was this ability to be the observer, not in the story, but watching the stories unfold. That was seemed like a really powerful moment for you where you don't even you don't have to judge the stories but like you said you can just enjoy them like oh look at them getting all worked up over this and look at look at these things over here and look at the gossiping over here and still but still you know observe and not not judge and not try to you know put your own morality on them but just be your own be in your own story and witnessing theirs and still not not have to judge it and not have to hate it or not have to say that it's less than or and i think that's also such a, a beautiful lesson in in this path yes it uh, reminds me of the true uh, nature of chip shifting chip shifting <laughs> has been so um um told and and with with a lot of uh, superstition but chip shifting is exactly what you just said you just know life and you see all these characters and you don't care if whatever you, I'll be whatever you want me to be in your story. And I enter your story, so I, I'm shape shifting. And then I go to someplace else, you begin shape shifting. Mm -hmm. But there was a moment when someone has an epiphany. And like in sometimes I see my father with another master when they get them together. I remember it was a Buddhist monk and you, father. Mm -hmm. People were putting you together and people were saying, what are they going to talk about? What are they going to say? <laughs> they both grab their hands. They see each other's eyes. They nodded, and just like children, they see everybody playing. They both were seeing the dream. They were both shape-shifting for whatever, and then it's when I really discovered that obsession in, in, in spirituality is very real, of healing, wanting to heal something. We destroy something so we can heal it, but we never want to go to that unknown place, and that unknown place is just to enjoy the time because what people have feel, that fear is, 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 is of death, that they even do a lot of superstition that what we come after we die what are we going to have after we die so we have to give us a story like we were little children you know to believe in but in the moment that you know you don't need a story because you are in that place of those two masters you know just holding hands enjoying life and it doesn't matter what human it is and this is the beautiful thing about shifting once in a while you find you're alive because somebody wake up and my favorite quote of this is once you wake up you cannot go back to sleep and you're constantly reminding yourself, no matter what tradition you go to, is the, the faith of, of, of oneself loving and, and feeling expressed lovingly. There's nothing else to do after that. Yeah. You know, I think that people was expecting a, like an intellectual confrontation <laughs> and try to defend point of view. Well, there's nothing like that, of course. He knows what he knows. I respect everything, whatever he believes, and vice versa. I don't have to convince him about anything and he don't have to convince me about <laughs> anything. We just know what we are. And I, we start seeing everybody else and it was 
so funny for both of us <laughs> to see that expectation. What they're gonna say? What they're gonna do? Well, we enjoy it. You know, yeah. to to find someone that see the world the same way that you do. This yeah. is is great. It's uh, in the in the book as well. You describe. You know, uh, I think it was actually the character of Don Ezekiel who was describing you and describing your life and is saying, you know, he remained faceless and he laughed and he bled and he blundered and he drank and he and he lived the life. He lived the life of a man, you know, and and that's but, but the thing that stuck out to me that was is, of course, like I feel all that. But the beautiful thing was. He he walked faceless. I think it said he walked faceless amongst them, you know, which was this very interesting idea of not worrying about your identity, not worrying about this is my face. Let me build a statue and let me let everybody worship me as the guru and put my face everywhere. Let me put myself on a coin and a dollar bill and a and a temple somewhere. But this idea of no, I'm just a force of life. Whatever face I am is, you're going to be projecting your own ideas on my face, anyways. So it doesn't even matter, you know. And I thought that was a beautiful line and a beautiful reminder for us to just be life and allow ourselves that identity to not matter, not be attached to it. You know, it is funny because everybody tried to put a face on you. Mm-hmm. They see you the way they want to see you but you no longer put yourself any much just the way you are. Everybody else qualifies you, believe whatever they want about you. They can love you, they can hate you, doesn't matter. They can create in their mind whatever image they want for you. But you are not that one. And you never will be that one. But that's the way they put a mask on you. Mm-hmm. And then if you do something that doesn't fit with the mask they put on you, they get offended because you are not what they want you to be. And there's no way that anyone can control you unless you give them the permission to control you. Yeah, yeah. This has been an interesting time for the dream of the world this past year. Yes, it is. This is is a very interesting time. And in many ways, it reminds me of what you wrote about in uh, Wisdom of the Shamans, Don Jose, where there's ants that different types of ants that can and maybe i'll allow you to tell the story about the ants and how the ants get along but if you shake the cage of the ants the ants will start attacking each other so if you wouldn't mind sharing that story because i feel like it's very relevant to some of what we've experienced this past year where it feels like the cage has been shaken yes because we are used to living in an automatic dream living automatic and routine but the moment that someone checks our dream, we get pushed out of discomfort. We're not in longer an automatic mode. We turn ourselves on to do our full potential. And if we do not know what we do, what we do, we blame everybody else. We start fighting. We lose, we react instead of thinking. And when we react, you know, and negativity can beat us. And like people can say, so the ants, they, they live in telepathically. They have an instinct. And uh, what I love about them is that they serve their queen. So if I put all the ants together in my body, all the nervous system, all the anxiety, all what, what should I do? I said, okay, I'll do it for my queen. I'll walk through fire for my queen. I'll do everything for the love of my life. And I saw my father doing it. You know, when he had the heart attack, 
He was mm. living with a 16% of his heart capacity. I have so many excuses, justifications, you know, to, to complain. But once I, I, I saw him say these words, all my life, my body's been loyal to my mind. Now it's my time for my mind to be loyal to my body. I imagine like one of those ants now saying, okay, I'm not going to fight with one another. I'm not going to blame one another. I'm going to do my best right now. And this is when we be begin building our home. And like Father was saying earlier, you know, how many people, uh, we have a point of view, they have a point of view how we are. And if we change that way of art, they will react. But I remember when I used to weigh 260 pounds, I was mm. overweight. I was chubby. And they said, you can never change. You can never transform your life. You will be like this. You know, you will all eat unhealthy. You will eat. You cannot change. Your will is not strong. And when I noticed that, I said, oh, my God, I have not been loving my body. I've been reacting and suppressing myself. Now it's time to serve my queen. And mm. when I begin doing that, I was like the little ants building the pyramids because the ants were the ones who built the pyramids, how we reflect the ancestors, as I imagined. So I begin to unlearn my eating ways. And that's one of the most hardest things. I begin and I lost 100 pounds. But then when I lost 100 pounds, I went more into my consciousness. Then I begin changing my eating ways of what I fed in my own mind. And then when I say, Jose, protect me from myself, then I am now knowing that someone checked my, my, my aunt home. It, it all went down, but it gave me the opportunity to rebuild it. And especially this happened last, last, last year when the COVID hit. It checked everybody's reality all around the world. It was like a big genocide happily, you know. I, I pray for the people who know who lost their lives. But there's some of us who survived all of this and we're here right now and their death is not in vain. So now we're rebuilding from another point of view, a new way of life. And, you know, the world is changing so completely. And, you know, many relationships, my cousin was saying to me the other day that in this year was the most divorced things that have happened. People got divorced because they got along and they were honest with themselves. I'm not happy in this life. Sure. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm letting all the automatic part. And this is exactly what the, the, the whole point of serving the queen it is. We serve the love of our life. You know, when father says, go master love, it's go master ourselves. And when we know that we all work for the same boss, you and me, father and everybody hearing, we work for the same boss because the more that we work with ourselves into authenticity, the little kids are watching. So what is interesting is how a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old saw this COVID-19 that happened. It was a big change for them because that is not going to be how it was before. Many people begin doing their message with the power of the internet. So instead of doing negativity with it, we can see the power of, of the internet, how it grew. Like instead of reaching 100 or 200, 500 people in one room, we can reach the whole world. And that's the power of positivity. And this is exactly what the ants have, the power of telepathy. And telepathy is not English, Spanish, or a spoken language. No, it's the power of kindness to serve the queen. So something really happened in, in this, this time. And, you know, it returned us to serve our queen because what I love before my grandmother passed away, she said uh, in 2008, she said, I'm so glad for this generation that you are part of. I go, why, grandmother? It's because you will see the return of divine mother earth in all mm. her forms. And, you know, she used to give medicine, herbs, and, and all this, you know, curandera training uh, and healing. And uh, she used to do a lot with, with herbs and, and, and plants. And now I go to a, a supermarket and I see all those herbs and all those markets being turned yes. into juices. And, and it's coming from different ways. The little kids, you know, protest, protesting against the, 
the negativity of machismo of, of, of suppression you know yeah. the the people having the power of the word and you know the the lie the lie is like a darkness that is getting light upon and it has to do for the for the power of the COVID-19 era that happened, many people were worms that get into the cocoon. And right now the butterflies are coming out. It's a beautiful way to look at it. And it's absolutely true. And, you know, so a lot of fear was pushed in, but sometimes in that resistance also, that was the thing that allowed the beauty to step forward as well. So with everything that you see as a challenge or everything that you see as a difficulty or a curse, there's also the blessing that's, within that same thing because there's the response and you know i think we've certainly seen both some people who've gone deeper into the story of fear and fearing death more than they savor life you know just preventing death at all cost even if it means surrendering their life and then you've seen other people who say no like this is about living and if we die we die but this is i i'm going to live before i die no matter what and that's You've seen both of these things emerge. And, and so I think, as you said, all you know, deepest condolences and love for everybody who's lost people and the challenges, but also there's an acknowledgement and a gratitude to the universe for the blessings that have emerged from this as well. And it's just, which, which one do you want to give your attention to? Which side, the negativity or the positivity? And I can feel in you that you're giving your attention to the positivity that's emerged from this time. Yes, and, and this is the best way because we lost some we lost some uncles and, and cousins in this COVID. But if I kill them in the heart, you know, and if I go into martyr, I, I'm dishonoring them. I'm not honoring them. And you know, by continuing leaving them, I know they live to us. Like the answer to say, imagine walking like you have 300 ancestors behind you. Now, if they're inside of you too, how are you going to what home you're going to invite them into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even in the present moment, um, my older brother, uh, Don Leonardo, he is in his last days of his life. They discover a terminal cancer in the spine. And the doctors tell him that uh, he will have like a 90 days or two months more of life. But what is wonderful is to see how he reacts to, to, by knowing that his life is getting to the end. Because almost every single day, there is a party in his house. <laughs> you know, he, he has right now like a 81, 82 years old. And, uh, you know, he's been a musician all of his life. He learned also with my mother at the same time that I was learning with her. But he expressed it in a different way. He expressed all that through music. And you can see that there's lots of people who come to him and honor him in life. They're not waiting for him to die. They go and they offer their music, they offer their love. It is so great to see how his entire family is dealing with the fact that he's gonna leave the physical body very soon. Uh, my children and I went to see him like a, almost a week ago and we really see all the joy in his face. 
and I and we saw his wife is, is very peaceful. His children, they know that they're just coming. They showed their love right now. They're not waiting. And it's something that he have all of his life with his family. His family always love him. Not just his own children, but cousins, because there's a big family. My uh, my grandfather has, I don't know, like a, let's see, more than 200 grandchildren and great-great-children. Wow. A lot of, a big generation. Then it's a big, big family. And he's doing what I thought to do when I had the heart attack in 2002, to celebrate life and to show everybody uh, an alternative way to die, alternative way to say goodbye to everything, and especially uh, let everybody know that we are in, in peace with life because we are life, we are love. Then mm. it's a great lesson that my brother Leonardo is giving right now in his own way and in his capacity. You know, mm. it's so beautiful to see the witness how his life is ending. Yeah. You gave such a beautiful this this beautiful concept in uh in again Toltec Art of Life and Death, where you said you were talking about the soul and you were talking about how death, which is matter, which is all of our cells and all of this body, how death ultimately surrenders to life at the yes. moment of our death. Like the energy of death, the thing that's holding us together in this condensation it surrenders to life, which is what we really are at that moment. Mm -hmm. It's the force of life that's getting stronger and death that's losing its grasp. And it totally reverses this idea, which mm -hmm. is that, you know, life is surrendering to death and everything, death is coming. No, no, no. Life is coming. It's the opposite. And it was like, wow, what a way to look at it. We are immortal. Yeah. We are immortal then what is left is his image who live in the mind of all that people. It is different in every, in every single mind. Like the, the way that his wife perceives him is different than the way how the, each one of his children perceive him and all his friends perceive him in a different way. And it's like a ghost who is living in our mind. You know, like I still remember my father and my mother that they passed away a long time ago. And I talk to them, hmm. but I know I'm talking to myself <laughs> because it's a ghost that only exists in my mind. And when I'm sleeping, I dream with them and I talk to them like a, if they were alive with the same characteristics that according to my point of view, they used to have. But of course, this is something uh, very personal because my brothers and other people who knew my mother and my father, uh, they see it in a completely different way, that the ghosts who live in their minds are different than the ghosts who live in mine. Then the ghosts of the people that pass away, even the people that are alive right now, will disappear when my mind disappears too. Mm. So in that point of view, in that belief, when we surrender to life, we lose the identity 
of the person that we were and and it's in in this belief it's more of a surrender to the unicity a surrender to the all life to source itself or do you believe that there's still in in that place beyond death there's still uh a kind of a personality that exists a a a part of uh a a unique individual perspective you know because that's really what we are but a, a unique perspective that remains even when the body you know surrenders to life no not at all not at all the images that exist in my mind is the story that i create mm. it's just a story it's not real i know it's not real like uh, if somebody loses uh, someone that they love like a husband, wife, parents, children, etc. But they have in mind is their own story. It's not the real. The real ones are gone. Those physical bodies already disappear. They don't exist any longer. But the ghosts that we create that exist in our mind, they're still in our mind. Because mm-hmm. we are the, the creators. It's our art. It's the secondary characters in our story. And they are not the real ones. Like I am not the the one who live in your mind. The one who live in your mind, even if it's just a little, is your own creation. Is what you believe about me, but it's not true. Yeah. But it's important is for you to know that it's not true. But you can enjoy it, because it's part of your story. Then I don't allow superstitions at all. Then believe an afterlife and all that is just superstition. Hmm. And I will never gonna be a fanatic of those superstitions. <laughs> but I have the awareness that I enjoy my creation because it's a masterpiece of art. I am the writer. I'm doing it. And everybody do exactly the same thing, but they don't know. They're not aware that they are doing. And many people uh, who don't don't uh, don't surrender, and they go to to someone who told them that they speak with their dead people. It's not real. It's not true. Hmm. There people say that they channel someone who exists twenty thousand uh, a thousand years ago to fifty years ago, etc. There are people who speak in the name of let's say Jesus and say I am Jesus, and you hmm. you know it's not real. It's not true. It never be true, it never will be true. It's just a secondary character that they create in, in their mind. Mm. And they can believe whatever they want to, and it's okay. They have the right to do that. Why not? There's people who channel Buddha, Moses, Michael the Archangel, you name it. That's not real. It's not true. It's just a story in the mind. Mm. It seems as though those energies, like the energy of Christ, the energy is is real. That energy, right? The energy of unconditional love. The energy of that is forgiveness. real, but it doesn't have a name. But it doesn't have a name, right? Exactly. It's just an archetype. Uh-huh. It's a it's a force. It's, it's a you. force in the universe. Yeah, it's us. It's it's, yeah, and you are the Christ. You just need to believe it. <laughs> yeah, because you don't intellectually. Yes, you know that everybody is God. That only God exists. But you don't act as a, as a God because you don't know that you are God. Hmm. The dog is is God. The cat is is God. The tree is God. Everything hmm. is God. Only God exists. 
but I don't call it God, I call it love. Mm. And I call it life. Or I call it energy. It doesn't matter, it's just a name. But we are the same, all of us. There's no one better or worse than us. Truth. When you when you talk about the power of intent for the Nagual, and actually, you know, maybe Don Jose or Don Miguel, either one, if you want to describe the difference between the Tonal and the Nagual and, and the force of intent. But it, uh, the question I had is when you, and of course, I'll allow you to explain what this means and what intent is and what a Nagual means. And, but when you have that power of intent, is that power something that is in normal in our story or is it almost supernatural what it can create can it change the way that we look at life when intent is strong enough in in the in the artist is it does intent have more power than we believe it does i guess is my do, question do you remember uh point of meter i do do you remember what you feel yes that is the power of intent <laughs> Yeah, it was magic. It was real magic. It's a beautiful way when the teacher says in the Totec tradition, you find intent, you feel the truth. Now, how are you going to describe it? And that's <laughs> the art right there. We're translators from the heart. We're not challenging anybody else. We're challenging our own gratitude to be alive. And when we're challenging our gratitude to be alive, we have service to the love of our life, which is God. It's like the little angel holding the Guadalupe. The Guadalupe is full of emotion because that's the dream of humanity. But the intent when he wakes up is like in one iteration, they open the third eye. And now we can say a tree can put seeds. The power of intent of our word can open and remind others of their intent as well. Like the four agreements, a very simple and powerful book. It was made with intent. Mm. I remember the first time I read it, and I don't hardly read books, but I read that book completely in one sit down. And I went to my father and said, Father, I know this information. And I remember you saying to me, of course you know it, son. Everybody knows it because <laughs> it's integrity talking to integrity. Mm-hmm. Intent, integrity. When you wish to integrity is when you begin to, you know, look into the mirror and begin to unlearn because you're saying to yourself with honesty what's affecting you and how you're using the word to affect yourself. And now you begin respecting the creating force of intent because the creating force of intent as humans we have is to create stories. And you can see many people create stories out of fear of dying, that we have to become someplace where we incarnate to someplace else. Oh, I'm the reincarnation of Yogananda, I'm the reincarnation of, of Tketzakoa, you know, because we're not comfortable to be ourselves. And talk about suppression. Suppression of the divine mother, it begins with suppressing our true power and our true self. Because, you know, we all work for the same boss. So the thing it is, what are we going to leave the children behind? Fanatism, superstition. And one day that someone's going to check the ants and they're going to fight one another because they don't trust themselves. You know, this is the moment of inspiration when we feel our own intent. And, you know, it's a channeling going through. One of my favorite um, conversations of intent that was not in the spiritual uh, path and or master's was one time they were describing Michael Jackson talking to his engineer. He was going four or three in the morning and, and he said to the engineer, 
I have these ideas. God just puts puts them to me. Said Michael, you have to rest. No, God doesn't rest. I know, but <laughs> it, but you have to rest, Michael. No, I I have to make this into the record. Why, Michael? It's because if I don't take action, Prince will. <laughs> so the, yeah. gift of, the, the gift of creating is that we all have inspiration but some of us decide to do it to experience it and then somebody comes well i had that idea but i didn't do it and this is the beautiful thing about when we ever get inspired to do something and this is the magic of doing our best doing our best is letting intent just you know do what it does getting out of the way with our own self-doubt you know, being skeptical of negativity to make, you know, the divine work itself, because at the end, we're messengers. But the question is, what message do we give to ourselves and to the people we love in life? And many people who overcome their own doubt, you know, we make statues of them. Yeah. And now we're channeling them. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of doing your best is something that I think people can get wrong because they can look from the future back at the past and decide whether they did their best based on what they know now. And then they can judge their past and say, Oh no, no, I didn't do my best, but doing your best is a moment. It's, it's in the present moment, right? I mean, as far as I understand it, doing your best is right now, right now, not the future looking back as myself mm -hmm. that has grown and judging myself based on what I know then now, but it's right now, just every moment doing, doing your best moment by moment. Yes, that's exactly what uh, Jose just described about, about Michael Jackson. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's such an important <laughs> such an important thing, and I think it's no surprise that this book continues and will continue to ripple through the ages, because as you said, it's integrity speaking to integrity, and new people will find it, and they'll it'll come to them when they're ready for this for this teaching and it will continue on and on and on and like ripples in a pond. Well, it's a classic that will survive for thousands of years. Yeah. And mastery of love and, and all of the teachings, you know, that's, it's, it's such a gift. One thing that I, I did want to get into is the challenge that can come up in relationships because relationships are a source of potentially great love, but also great attachment and on one side it can be resent you know resentments can build which you describe as the monster that eats love and in another time you can talk about how sometimes relationships agreements marriages can be human sacrifice where you give up life for this creation this this agreement this contract that you have and then you're not as alive what is what is your feeling about what relationships are supposed to be how are they how should we approach, you know, relationships with a partner, with a lover? Okay, uh, right, now, right now, I'm working in a series of four books that is, they call it the mystery school. The first book was the actor. I have it is right here, the actor. Wow. The second is Eros, which is a love story. That is exactly what you're talking about. And today I just finished to, uh, to, to fix this, that story in Spanish. In English it's done, but today it was also done in Spanish. Then the second book will, will be by the end of this year, or by, yeah, by October or something. And I don't know exactly when they decide to publish, but it's done. Then uh, in this book, 
errors, you will you find out exactly what I talk what we are talking about. And mm-hmm. I don't go deeper right now because it's almost time. They yeah. have a few minutes only. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. I've what I've found in in my experience is the purpose of a relationship is to teach you love. That's that's it. That's the only thing that I that makes sense is if this thing can bring you closer to life and closer to love, then it's then it's the right type of relationship. If it brings you into love, if it brings you into union with life, that's the that's the purpose and that's a that's a choice that I think both people have to both people have to make, you know, in order for that to really reach its potential. Yes, it's about sharing love. Because yeah. like we say, we're the love of our life. We meet somebody with the same vibration, they're the love of their life. And we don't want to control them. We want to let them express free how they want to be because we all have like a hundred years of life. Why do we want to steal time from them when we truly unconditional love them? And there's a time when we're in a relationship and we outgrow one another. But that's not in vain because we, in that relationship that we overcome, that we let go of, we learn something to love ourselves even more. Like no one has the right to scream at us and we don't have the right to scream at anybody. And if we did that in the past relationship, in the future relationship, in the relationship we have now, we will not do it anymore because we know that we corrupted that love because when we hurt some, our partner is a reflection of us. We're hurting ourselves only. So when we begin treating everybody like, you know, they're our own mirror, everything begins to change and clean consciousness will begin to activate itself as a routine, as an automatic instead of a defense, like uh, like the book, The Actor, I love, you know, because they, they, imagine if you get a script now today with everything you know, well, today you're going to play the victim role or today you're going to play <laughs> the, the, the warrior, today you're going to play the angel. How are you going to play it? Well, that you're going to improvise what you know. And sometimes when we get wounded, what do we do? We go back to play the victim role to its full capacity, but now knowing what <laughs> we know now, now really hurting because we were floating once, but now we already go with the and we want to let go of it. So when we know that we give ourselves the own script in, in life, it's about the romance again. Mm-hmm. How you want to live your life. It's a, it's a romance, you know, a prayer, an altar, you know, putting flowers in the altar. It's, it's, it's a romantic, you know, of love. It's a romantic dream. We make everything beautiful. And it's not only in the temples or in the churches, but it's in life itself because we are the flowers. And life is the altar. And the moment that we do this, live in respect, you know, our energy will grow, grow, grow with the, with the presence. And sometimes people say, how do you come so, the presence that you have, the power that you have, your energy is so strong. It goes, it's not about that. It's about respect. It's about respecting where I'm at, the belief that I am in. If it's a Mormon tradition, if it's in the synagogue, or if it's in Japan, or it's in, in any other country, you know, it, it, the thing is to respect everybody else's dream. And now forget about the countries. We're talking about each mind, each world, the respect, mm. how they know, you know, there's so many levels of awareness, but you know, we, we all feel love. And the moment that we feel that self-trust with ourselves, someone outside who don't trust themselves, they begin to trust like a little animal, you know, an animal can tell right away if you are open-hearted or doing ill intent, it will yeah. get closer and closer. And when we abuse our animal, our body, it, it doesn't trust our doesn't trust our mind. It has PTSD. But the moment that we begin healing ourselves, changing our path, and not believing the old characters, you cannot change. No, we're skeptical of the negativity. This you own me. That part of me is dead. 
something came out. It was a resurrection, the true resurrection, the resurrection in the same life. And mm -hmm. here we are now. We have the memories of a sinner, the sinner that is made up word for me, a sinner, a made up word how to punish itself because I didn't know back then how I needed validation. I needed to be accepted in this dream, you know, to be in pure pressures and all these things to be accepted. And all of a sudden, I, get, I left alone with my own suffering. Don't mean that I begin acknowledging that the own suffering that I created is because I held onto it like a rattlesnake with all the dead skins who didn't let it go. It's that natural. What is natural is to feel the pain and let it go and to not pretend it's not there or wear a mask. And the way to do it is to the power of self-honesty. That's why the mirror, the mirror work in the total tradition is so powerful because if we lie to the outside, we're only lying to ourselves. And when we stop lying to ourselves, we have nothing to lie anymore in life. And could you imagine the liar in the dream of the planet always living in an anxiety, in pressure that he's going to get caught in the lie? Yeah. It will never be at peace. Yeah. But once you let go of the story of you or anything else, you feel the truth because you're with the love of your life. And this is how I imagine now again, my, my father, you father with the with the Buddhist master monk holding hands, just watching everybody. <laughs> One day you will find the love of your life too. You know, if it's romantic or not romantic, you know, friends, family, partner, doesn't matter. You'll find your ally, your tribe, where you begin, you know, teaching the young ones, you know, about the darkness and the light. And the darkness is not necessarily, you know, what we learn in schools or in the movies. No, it's about truth and lies because lies is the beginning of hell. Truth mm. is how we let he'll go yeah well as we finish this up what is what is one thing that people can do if they want to help themselves embrace the the romantic loving voluptuous embrace of life more than you know the shadow and the delusion and the hell of of their dream what is one thing that everybody can do to to practice this ability of letting go of the old dreams and embracing the truth well, this is very simple. It's just to accept themselves just the way they are and to love themselves just the way they are and to love themselves because what they are, recognizing that their body is the love of their life. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I know you have, so you have the book Actor. Is the book Actor out? If it is, I can't believe I missed it. Well, the, the actor came out um, like in October, something Amazing. like that year. I can't wait to read it. And um, the uh, arrows oh, are coming kind of in September, October, something like that. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And Don Jose, you have a book coming as well, don't you? Yes, I have one that I'm very happy to share. It is a book about power animals, what our little friends can teach us about life. And it's not that the animal comes to us. No, it's that we reflect it and respect it. And we get the mm. ability, just like the ants created the pyramids, I mean, created their little homes, the ancestors got inspired to create the pyramids because under the pyramids is also tunnels, underground tunnels, just like the little ant home. <laughs> and, you know, it's about celebrating Totihuacan, our, 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 our power spot. And before we say goodbye, I want to let everybody share a little ceremony that we do there to be one with the love of our life. Beautiful. We go to Totihuacan with the awareness that we're leaving something behind. 
So this you can do everywhere in the world. In your backyard, you can pick three stones. And each stone will have a representation of what you don't want in your life anymore. Uh, an epiphany, uh, an honesty about oneself that, you know, that is affecting us. And with that, make a little hole in the ground, get the three stones and bury the three stones. But that will be an act of power that is in your awareness that you have a new life ahead in order for the new dream to continue an old dream has to be put to rest. But it's about awareness, about one letting go. And from this point on, entering the dream of the Toltec to unlearn whatever takes your inspiration away. And now when you let it go, find the inspiration. Live your life, whatever you've been afraid to do, whatever you've been afraid or su you suppress yourself to do, to take the action, is to go beyond the fear and do it for the love of your life. Because once you give the flowers to the love of your life, it will come back home because it will tell you, welcome back home. Amazing. Is there any, is there, is there any in-person gatherings? Are you hosting any events or is there anything that's, uh, that's happening where you're bringing people together physically? Is that, a, is that, is that on the schedule at all? Yes, we, we have now, the, we're going to Teotihuacan in two days to do our first Teotihuacan after a year and a half. Incredible. And then we'll be in Sedona, where you at. Uh, Amazing. We're, we're going to be in Sedona in July, I believe, for the gathering of the shamans. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, on behalf of all life and myself as a perspective into the window of life, thank you so much for the lineage and the medicine that you've carried and what you've done for me and what you've done for the world. It's uh, an impossible amount of gratitude uh, to both of you. So thank you so much. And all the blessings. Yes, indeed, returned. All right, goodbye for now. Hopefully we'll cross paths again soon. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. Make sure you check out Don Miguel Ruiz's new book, The Actor, and also the book that I mentioned, The Toltec Art of Life and Death, which is absolutely phenomenal. I have like seven pages of quotes from that book alone. And also Don Jose Ruiz, he's got a host of new books, including a new book called Shamanic Power Animals, which I'm really excited to check out as well. Thank you so much, family. I love you, and I'll see you next week.